It's Anzac weekend. How many people have had um, relations who have fought in the First or Second World War? Yeah, my, um, my grandfather was in Gallipoli. And so it's a great time to just, just remember the sacrifices that, uh, that our parents and our grandparents made uh, so that we could have freedom. Amen? But it's an even better time to remember the sacrifices that Jesus Christ made. Amen. So, Lord, this morning, we just thank you that we can just gather together as the family of God, uh, gathering around your word, and we just pray that, God, you would just really just speak to us, that, Lord, from your word, you would just lay seeds in our lives that can be watered and that can bring forth much fruit. And we just ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. (coughs) Have you ever had a time in your life where everything was just going absolutely, amazingly fantastic. Anyone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. Uh, There was a decade in my life where I had momentum, where I had accelerated expansion, where I had blessing from God that was absolutely extraordinarily, supernaturally amazing, where the hand of God was upon me in a way that he did in a few years what would normally have taken half a lifetime. It was just divinely accelerated blessing and momentum. And when I graduated from university in 1974, I shifted Uh, to Hamilton to work in a laboratory for the New Zealand Dairy Company. And at the same time, I joined Hamilton AOG, which was a church that uh, God was just starting to pour out his spirit on and was just starting to bless. And being part of that church at that time resulted in accelerated blessing just overflowing into my life. Uh, Two years after shifting to Hamilton, I married Penny, and man, that was a, believe me, that was, that was a divinely initiated miracle in itself. Uh, we never even dated before we got engaged. It was all God. Three years later, we bought a house. Um, Peter was born two years after that. Stephen was born. What an amazing blessing that was. But during that three-year period that the the boys were born, it was what was called the National Wage and Price Freeze. How many people remember that? Muldoon government trying to stop inflation and everything, um, passed a law where no prices were allowed to increase, where uh, no people were allowed to get an increase in their, in their wages at all. You know, God isn't limited by the economy of a nation. During that wage and price freeze, my salary more than doubled. I went from being a lowly lab technician to the head of my department to the technical executive of New Zealand Dairy. Absolutely mind-boggling, accelerated blessing from God. And at the same time, our our church, which was less than 200 when I first joined, went through a five-fold increase. So within a decade, uh, we went from 200 to 1,100 on a Sunday morning. And we were seeing 300 celebrations. Uh, Salvations a year. Then 
God miraculously just called me into full-time ministry. And I left New Zealand Dairy to become a minister at Hamilton AOG. What an amazing few years of accelerated blessing. Family, job, ministry, all overflowing with God's blessing. And those events, that time period, laid the foundation for the rest of my life. And that's what it can be like when God puts his foot on the accelerator of your life. And I believe God wants to bless every one of us. And he wants every one of us to experience periods of accelerated blessing. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Not just ordinary, everyday, ho-tum, ho-hum, struggling for existence, but blessing and overflow blessing. At Church Unlimited, we've entered into a season of divine, accelerated blessing and momentum. It's a new era. God has put his foot on the accelerator of our church And you, being part of the Church Unlimited family, can expect to experience accelerated blessing in your own life as you continue to trust the Lord, as you continue to seek Him, believe Him, and expect Him to bless your life. Uh, Amos 3 verse 7 says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing His plan to His servants, the prophets. And you'll find that every new era, there are prophetic words. And Church Unlimited has many, many, many prophetic words uh, that would usher in this new era. But a prophetic word doesn't mean that it'll happen. A prophetic word just shares the heart of God and what will happen if God's people will partner with him and work with him to see that word come to pass. It's a bit like one of the skills of a surfer is to read the water and recognize great waves before they actually get to them. And if you've ever watched surfers, if you've ever watched the surfing comps on TV, you'll see that the the surfers are out there, they're sitting there, they're watching behind them, they're watching for the waves to come, and they position themselves at the place where they think that wave is going to hit them. Then what do they do? They wait for that wave, they wait, they wait, and then when they see it coming, they start paddling. And they start paddling so that when that wave reaches them, they've got momentum and they've got enough momentum then to accelerate down the face of the wave. If they just sit there doing nothing, the wave basically just goes underneath them and it passes them by. A surfer doesn't create the wave. He just positions himself to catch the wave when the wave reaches him. And the prophetic tells us there's a wave coming. And through prayer and wisdom and faith and works, we can catch the wave of God's initiatives and blessing when they arrive, as long as we are paddling, as long as we are moving forward, as long as we're not just sitting back and doing nothing. I think a great example of that in our family's lives was when uh, my oldest son, Peter, uh, was baptized as a schoolboy, Royce Franklin Uh, who was a really, really accurate prophetic ministry, uh, prophesied over him. 
And at his baptism, Royce saw Peter surfing a huge wave. Now, we had no idea what that meant whatsoever. Uh, Peter wasn't a surfer, so we knew that that wasn't something that was literally. But in the, in the spirit, uh, Royce saw him surfing a huge wave. A year or so later, uh, Pete decided instead of going to university, that he would work for a year, save enough money so that he could follow his dream because his dream, the seed that God had placed within him, was he just wanted to be in a place where he could lead people in worship. That was his dream. And so he left for Hillsong Bible College in Sydney, and for years he just struggled to make ends meet. I mean, he would work at a petrol station at night so that he could support his uh, Bible college first and then ministry second uh, during the daytime. He took any job that he could get, and he just worked hard to position himself for whatever door God would open for him. And Pete was never one to push himself forward, but uh, one thing led to another. He got to play in the Hillsong Youth Band. And that Hillsong Youth Band, after a couple of years, transitioned into Hillsong United. Uh, which, as uh, many of you will know, uh, is regularly voted as the number one worship-impacting band in the world. Uh, he began to play regularly at uh, Hillsong Church, and so 16 years later, uh, Pete's travelled the world, uh, every continent except for Antarctica, uh, been to over 80 cities, played on over 50 platinum albums. He's a sought-after workshop leader, uh, being recognized as one of the leading Christian keyboard players in the world. When they have large conferences in the United States, they'll fly Pete in just to take the worship uh, and the keyboard workshops at that conference. And so when Pete left this church, he left it with just a dream. But at the right time, God put his foot on the accelerator in Pete's life. And because he was positioned in the right place and had a right heart, God was able to bring about accelerated blessing and expansion. When we are in a season of divine acceleration, God moves, God intervenes supernaturally, and God initiates breakthroughs in our life and our circumstances. So in this season that we are in at the moment, in the season that we're, we're just sort of starting off into, um, what situations will God break through into? What should, situations should we expect breakthrough in? Well, the first thing that I think that we we'll see breakthrough in is when we've been waiting for a long time. Anyone had prophetic words of a decade or 20 years that are yet to come to pass? Besides me? Yeah. Okay. In the series that we've been doing from the Gospel of John, uh, there's a story of Jesus healing a, healing a cripple. John 5, chapter 1. And it says this. Sometimes later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which is Aramaic. In Aramaic, it's called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a number 
a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And then in verse 4, depending on which version you've got, it says other manuscripts tell us that when the water was stirred, it was an angel and the first one into the water after the water was stirred would get healed. Verse 5. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learnt that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get it in, somebody else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. I think the greatest period of accelerated expansion in the kingdom of God was actually the three years of Jesus' ministry time on earth. And this cripple, after waiting 38 years, suddenly finds himself face-to-face with Jesus, and Jesus intervenes in his life, and the cripple's healed. Now, while it's admirable to wait patiently, we aren't supposed to wait and just do nothing. It's our season It's our time. It's time to pray again. It's time to believe again. It's time to dream again. It's time to take hold of those long-forgotten promises again and to expect God to fulfill them. Only one man waiting by that pool was healed by Jesus that we know of. But every person that came to Jesus in that season of divine acceleration, got healed. In a few verses before chapter 5, you read the story of the ruler who comes to Jesus and begs him to heal his son who's dying. He didn't wait for Jesus to come to him. He didn't wait for uh, Jesus to uh, have an encounter with him. The ruler came to Jesus, and Jesus just spoke the word, and that boy was healed, raised from the dead, as it were, at a distance. In Mark chapter 5, You read a story of a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She spent all her money on doctors and no one could heal her. And so knowing that Jesus was coming by, she just pushes through the crowd to see Jesus because she thought to herself, if I could just touch his garment, then I'm going to be healed. And so that's what she does. Now, lots of other people were bumping into Jesus. Lots of other people in the crowd were pushing alongside But this woman, when she touched his cloak in faith, immediately power flowed out to her and she was healed. If you've been waiting for a long time, don't do nothing. Go to Jesus today. Stir yourself up to pray again. Remind him of the promises that he's already given you and start praying into those things. Ask him, is there anything that you need to be doing for that prophetic word to be fulfilled in your life? And whatever he says, do it. In this era, you can expect divine acceleration and blessing in areas that have been dormant for years and years and years and years. Secondly, we can expect divine acceleration and blessing 
when we're facing a mountain of difficulty. In 1 Kings 19, you find Elijah calling the prophets of Baal to come to Mount Carmel. And there's a standoff between the prophets of Baal and Elijah. And as you know the story, he calls down fire from heaven, soaks up the offering. Uh, the people kill all the prophets of Baal. Elijah is on a real high. He runs ahead of uh, Ahab's chariot uh, to the king's palace. And when he gets there, he's wasted. Absolutely wasted. And we see that Jezebel, the queen, is absolutely furious that Elijah has destroyed all of her prophets. And so she threatens to take him out. And we read in 1 Kings 19 verse 3, Elijah was afraid, ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left a servant there. And while he, was, uh, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around. And there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Elijah wasn't scared of the hundreds of prophets of Baal. But in a burnt out state, one woman could put the wind up him. How many guys know that? <laughs> Just one woman. Just one woman is enough. That's it. <laughs> but the reality is, it's burnt out. And so anything coming against him was too much for him at that time. So he heads off, and in despair, he wants to end his life. He is, is so crushed, he's so discouraged, he wants to end his life. What a contrast. Yeah, you know, a couple of days earlier, he's calling down fire from heaven. He's seeing revival break out in Israel. He's getting rid of all of the prophets of Baal. And now he's in a state where he just wants to die. Notice what happens though. God supernaturally sends an angel to provide food and drink to Elijah. And as a result of that food... As a result of that drink, as a result of that rest, Elijah is able to travel 40 days and 40 nights non-stop. That's momentum. 
from absolute despair to triumph. And it's interesting, if we were to continue reading there, he gets to Horeb and he has an encounter with God. And God refires him, gives him fresh vision and fresh direction for the next phase of his life. But it came from a point when Elijah was facing a mountain of difficulty when he was at the lowest point of his whole life. And I don't know everybody here this morning. I don't know what you're facing. But there are times that we go through in life where we are just down. There are times that if we were to look at it, logically, it doesn't make sense. But there are times when the enemy just gets us down. We move into a place of despair and we just don't know what to do. When you don't know what to do, when you think that there is no moves left, there is always one more move. There is always one more move, and that's to cry out to God. Always cry out to God and believe that God is going to send you an angel. And often that will be in the, the form of a person who will be able to come alongside you and bring the word of the Lord to you at a season of despair. You know, I find that when you're really, 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 really down, it's hard to hear from God. Anyone been in that situation? When, you, when you're sick, it's really hard to hear from God. When you're really down or depressed, it's hard to hear from God. I think that's why the Bible says, hey, if the sick amongst you, call for the elders of the church. And they'll come and they'll pray for you, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. When you're sick, you don't have faith for yourself. But other people will. And that's the time that you need to reach out to God. That's the time you need to get hold of him. That's the time you need to humble yourself and say, God, help me. Help me. And call somebody else. Call the pastor. Call the elders of the church and let them come and minister to you. You know, we had a testimony after the New Zealand and Beyond Conference. Uh, sent in the office, and this is what this guy said. He said, before conference, I got incredibly ill. Headaches, stomach pains, dizziness, and complete exhaustion, plus stresses of work, marriage, family. I felt depressed. I felt hopeless in a black hole. My marriage was hanging by a thread. My life was a mess. I told God, I'm done. I didn't want to go to conference, but... Someone had bought me a ticket. So I went. Pastor Tark spoke two words that changed my whole attitude. He said, fight tired. When all hope is gone, fight tired. When your marriage is strained, fight tired. When you have nothing left in you, fight tired. When you want to quit, fight tired. I said, okay, God, I'm going to attend every session. I'll fight tired. Sick all of conference, but Each session, God spoke to me. God said he'd use conference to clean me up. If I hadn't attended conference and heard fight tired, I wouldn't have been cleaned up and I wouldn't feel like I do now a new creation in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good? Fight tired. Yeah. At your point of despair, realize that when you're facing a mountain of difficulty, That's the very time that God will break through into your life.
if you will invite him. The third area, the third place that God will break through in is when the enemy has stolen something from you. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Satan is a master thief, but our God is an even greater restorer of what's been stolen. I love the story in 1 Samuel 30 of David and his crew coming back to his town of Ziklag and finding the whole town absolutely burnt to the ground, absolutely cleaned out, everything gone. All his possession, all of the woman, all of the children, all the livestock, everything is gone. The enemy's coming, the Amalekites are coming, they've destroyed the lot. And while David's mighty men, his friends, his mates, are looking to stone him, the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. He went to God and he prayed and he asked God, he said, God, what do you want me to do? As a result of this, do you want me to pursue these Amalekites? And God said to him, pursue, because you will recover it all. And so that's what he does. So he heads off after the Amalekites. uh, And if you read the story in 1 Samuel chapter 30, you'll find that David's men caught up with them. There was a huge battle. They killed the lot. There was only a few got away. And not only did they recover what, God, what the Amalekites had stolen from them, but they recovered what the Amalekites had stolen from lots of other places all around at that time. So David comes back with so much plunder that he was able to send gifts to his friends in Judah. And that was the beginning of David's golden era. That breakthrough which came after the worst time in David's life, issued the beginning of a period which we call David's golden era. Because just a little time later, King Saul dies, they promote David, they bring him back, they make him king, and Israel and uh, Judah are unified underneath them, and there's a fantastic period of just blessing from God. If the enemy has ravaged your life, if the enemy has ravaged your family, if the enemy has ravaged your finances, if the enemy has ravaged your health, if the enemy has stolen from you, believe God for divine acceleration. Believe him for divine blessing. Believe him that he is going to, he is able and he is going to not just restore what the enemy has stolen, but give you much, much more in return. Divine acceleration, periods of divine acceleration, change everything. And the last period, the last thing, the last time that uh, I see or I wanted to talk about this morning as to when that divine acceleration will impact your life is when a nation is in a dark time. One of the most important areas in which we need to see divine acceleration and an unstoppable momentum is in seeing our nation reached with the gospel and the great commission fulfilled. In history and in scripture, awakenings come 
when nations are in great darkness. In my lifetime, I don't know of any other period when we have been darker as a nation than what we have and are today. And it's got nothing to do with who's in government. It's got everything to do with what the enemy is trying to do with our people. We've come from a generation whose parents were brought up going to church to a generation where the young people don't even know who Jesus Christ is. Things have completely changed. We are one of the most secular societies in the world. And we desperately need God as a nation. And all of the good works, all of the plans, all of the works of all of the churches in our nation over the last 30 years haven't had the impact that we have dreamed or desired. And we still find ourselves with only 9% of the nation that we would call evangelical Christians. We need a revival. We need a revival. We need God to breathe on our nation and come by the power of his Holy Spirit. Can he do it? He sure can. I remember Cyril, when he was alive, coming to me with a book and with numerous newspaper clippings of the Welsh revival that his parents had been part of. In Wales, 100,000 people were saved in five months. Revival swept into England, two million were saved. It swept across the Atlantic into America. They say Atlantic City with a population of 60,000. Everyone, bar about 50 people, uh, came to the Lord. Historians estimate 20 million people were saved as revival swept through America. It was absolutely unstoppable momentum. It was divine acceleration, and it transformed societies. Even today, when you go to a soccer match and you hear the Welsh singing, what are they singing? Anyone know? Anyone know the anthem, soccer or rugby in Wales? Bread of heaven, bread of heaven. They'll be singing, guide me, O thy great Jehovah. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven. You'll see the, the chorus will just resonate round the arena. They don't know what they're singing. It's left over from the revival. At that time, crime disappeared. No rapes, no robberies, no murders, no burglaries. Drunkenness was halved. Judges had no cases to try. They said that even the pit ponies in the Welsh coal mines, they reacted to it because they were used to being bullied and pushed around and swore at, and they didn't know the commands that the coal miners were giving them because they were so sweet. 
people would come out of the coal mines, out into the light. They would fall on their faces as they were hit by the power of God. And they'd give themselves to the Lord. Ships would come into ports. And it was like there was an area of the Holy Spirit. Ships would come into ports and sailors would fall on their faces and give their hearts to the Lord. You imagine if we walked out of here today and people walking down the street started falling over, touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. You imagine what it would be like if God moved by his Holy Spirit, peeled back clouds of darkness, and started drawing people to himself. People waking up in the morning thinking, I've got to go to church today. Where can I find a church? And just being led to places like this all over, all over our city. Asking, what must I do to be saved? You know, people get saved in periods outside of revival. But it's ones and twos. It's threes and fives and tens. During an outpouring, during accelerated momentum, it's multiplication. It's not just fives and tens. It's tens and hundreds and thousands. That's what this nation needs. That's what it needs. Let's have the musicians just come as I wind this, this up. We need divine acceleration, the supernatural ability of God applied to our nation. We need God to apprehend each of us with a passion for our nation. The lost to step out and the rich people with the message of salvation. You know, I said that the most accelerated time of expansion and momentum probably in kingdom history was those three years that Jesus uh, was ministering on earth. Listen to what he says about the city of Jerusalem. He said, Luke 19, says, When Jesus approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Wow, how scary is that? They didn't recognize the time of their visitation. They weren't paddling as the wave was coming. And the wave passed them by. You know, what can we do? Well, I think the, the first thing we should do is pray. We need to recognize what God is doing, start praying, and step out in faith. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. That's a promise from God. You know, He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone in our nation to be saved. He wants everyone to have that opportunity to invite them into their lives. But it's going to take the church of Jesus Christ to partner with the Holy Spirit of God to bring about that open heaven, that time of accelerated expansion where nothing will be able to stop neighborhoods and towns and cities from coming to God. Amen? Amen. It's time for you to enjoy 
that divine accelerated blessing in your own life. The supernatural ability of God applied to your life, your ministry, your circumstances when God removes obstacles, gives breakthrough commands and progress and you move to a whole new dimension. First step though, God, here am I. Use me. First step, God, I desperately need you to break through afresh in my life. First step, come Holy Spirit. Have your way in my life. Lord, you know where I am at. Fill me afresh. Give me more of you so that, God, you'll be able to do anything that you want to do in my life and do anything you've dreamed of doing through my life. Let's all stand together this morning.